2: W-A-B-E in Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Loris Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Valentine's Day is around the corner, and romantic dinners for two are on the menu. But what if one of you is vegan and the other is afraid to commit to a plant-based diet? Well, Pinky Cole, the entrepreneur and philanthropist behind Atlanta's Slutty Vegan, Bar Vegan, and the Pinky Cole Foundation, has got you covered. City Lights senior producer Kim Drobes recently caught up with Cole to share some easy vegan Valentine's recipes and her personal story of becoming a vegan. The Alive is a band of three teenagers who are rocking out on stages internationally when they aren't on their surfboards, that is. They performed at Atlanta Shaky Knees Festival last fall, and we'll listen back to that conversation later in the program first. Since its opening in 1991, Spivey Hall has had only two artistic directors, and now a third person will lead the executive and artistic direction of the illustrious music venue. Katie Lehman is a violinist who has had two decades' experience in performing arts management. She joins us now via Zoom. Katie, welcome to City Lights.
1: Thank you, Lois. I am delighted to be here with you today.
2: Well, congratulations on your new position. I I know you spent time with the Atlanta Symphony. What is your relationship with Atlanta?
1: (laughs) I well, I love it here. I moved here last spring. And Jennifer Barlamand with the Atlanta Symphony called and said, we're going back to putting on live concerts and we could use some help. So I jumped in and helped them manage the artistic department as we were returning to live performances and to roll out the launch of the fabulous new Natalie Stutzmann as music director. They are the fifth music director at the ASO. So I had a delightful time working with them and helping them as they moved back into hopefully a post-COVID mode of operation.
2: Oh yes, and now they have resumed in-person performances. Mm -hmm. Live performances have been going on at Spivey. Yes. Spivey Hall is this jewel of a recital hall, as it's often called, the venue's favorite among many internationally renowned artists who request to return. What are your plans for programming?
1: Oh, Spivey Hall offers an unlimited opportunity to hear sound in a way we can't hear it in very many other places. I had my first opportunity the other day to hear voice. In the hall, I'd heard many other performances, but I'd never heard voice. And uh, on Sunday, we had Gerald Finley mm-hmm. performing with Julius Drake. I sat in the back row and I was absolutely taken away by the sound that is produced in that space. You can feel the sound coming from the artist off the stage, off of the baffles on the side, and just enveloping you as a person sitting in the audience. And it is, it's a sound like no place else. It affords this incredible environment for performance, which helps us think about taking advantage of great artists who thrive in those kinds of spaces. And the performances for next year have already been set. Uh, The wonderful Sam Dixon, curator par excellence of Spivey Hall for so very long has been working diligently as his final season has developed, and that will be the 22-23 season, which he has largely put together and gifted me as this fabulous start to my term here at Spivey Hall. And it's a wonderful example of taking advantage of the acoustics and the space and the people that we want to have projecting their artistry in that space. Moving ahead from there, we will do much of what we have been doing, which is to say we have gorgeous pianos and bringing in the top pianists that we possibly can uh, is very high on our agenda. I know that my programming will also see us seeking out even more emerging talents, young artists, I always like to to refer to my wall of fame as the pictures I have hanging on the wall of artists that I brought in five years ago and we can no longer afford, right? (laughs) So that was my point of honor in previous positions. And now at Spivey Hall, we can bring in the very finest with the support of our amazing friends here, the patronage and the support of so many wonderful people in this community who love to share that experience with us. But so we will be reaching out and and diversifying our programming in ways that my hope is to continue to support the region and the national level of artistry that we present here on a regular basis, while also cultivating our own community and the students right here at Clayton State University, for whom this is a gateway to their imaginations and their artistic creativity during their time on campus. So we will be looking at programming that serves all of those people and catalyzes the kind of amazing imaginative life that we're going to see from our campus from our region here in the south area of Atlanta, and, of course, from the whole southeast in the nation. People travel here from across the country to come to our concerts, and we want them to feel that they are every bit as important as our very own neighbors down the street here. Katie, you
2: have stated that the art should be open, invitational, and equitable. How do you plan to achieve those goals at Spivey Hall?
1: That is an area that is extremely meaningful to me. I have seen unbelievable transformation in my lifetime, particularly working so much with youth in in college and even pre-college, and seeing the transformative power of great music. We often talk about Our space here as a crown jewel, and and I sometimes shy away from the metaphor of the crown jewel as it it sounds very kind of elite and, and a little bit removed from the world. But when you think about it, a jewel is something that starts as a piece of earth, it's something that starts very rough, that starts as unknown, and it takes tremendous craft and dedication and skill to hone it into something fine and to take it to the various highest Caliber. And that's what the arts do for all of us. So, for us to make what we do here as open as we possibly can to all who want to participate, that is a goal for me. And this means thinking about how Spivey Hall not just opens its doors whenever we can, but actually reaches into the community and says, we want to be part of this community's rich transformative creative experience. That means we cross barriers of capability to pay when we can and we have loved having the support that we have of our amazing donors who allow our students and educators to come uh, here for very low cost. We want to make sure that our own organizations like the Children's Choir here are thriving and supported I heard one of the young singers come up to me when, when their director, Martha Shaw, she asked them, what does Spivey Hall mean to you? And this young singer came up and she said, Spivey Hall is the home of my soul. Oh. And I heard others join in and saying that's how they feel. These are children who are you know, 15 years old and they feel that. So it's our obligation and our joy to share that and help them to feel important on our stage. So openness and equity, reaching out, going beyond opening our doors, saying that this is a place for all and helping this be a place that everyone who enters our doors feels comfortable, welcomed and at home is part of my mission here.
2: So you are able to make ticket prices more affordable for students and educators, thanks to patronage. Yes. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wright's speaking with the new Artistic Director of Spivey Hall, Katie Lehman. Classical music has had an ongoing challenge with attracting younger audiences. And I know you had to address some of that when you were executive director of the Boulder Philharmonic, though in a university town, it may be easier to bring in college students. How Do you think classical music can reach a younger audience who will become enthusiastic about attending concerts?
1: Oh, that's a point that we think about every day in this work. We love our current audiences. They are amazing. And we wish for them to be with us forever, but of course, they won't be. The audiences of tomorrow must feel comfortable in our space. The music that we play is not the barrier, I think. I think sometimes it's the way we perform it. It's the way we market it. It's the way we think about our presentation overall that stands in our own way sometimes. We have amazing music, but if you look, for instance, at New York and you go to Poisson Rouge, for instance, it's a nightclub in which you can hear classical music. You can order drinks and you can enjoy it with your friends. Now, that's not what we want to do all the time, but some of the time, that's a remarkable way to say to young people, you can experience the world in the way you want to experience the world and we will join you there. I think it's not always about expecting people to come into our halls with concerts that are done exactly the way we've been doing them for the last hundred years. Don't get me wrong. I love those concerts and nothing will change about our presenting concerts in the format that we have, but we also need to add opportunities that encourage younger people to think, Oh, this is someplace I would feel comfortable. This is someplace I would bring my friends This can be part of my normal activities. There are creative ways to bring those kinds of great music into young people's lives. I also believe we are in a true renaissance of composition. A lot of us of my generation were put off by the idea of new music for so many decades because so much was inaccessible. To normal listeners, to, to uneducated, unmusically refined people, and that was a big mistake on the part of classical music. And now we are seeing amazing younger generation of composers and they're not all younger at this point, but our generation of composers, and the ones coming up who are drawing on their ethnic heritages, who are drawing on folk materials, who are drawing on their modern identity as they write music for us. And it's music that draws on so many more cultures than the traditional Western, you know, European and American backgrounds. So we're seeing music coming into being that I think is going to reach people in ways in this next generation, in ways that perhaps the generations above mine weren't always so successful at doing. So I I think we have Glory days ahead of us in the field of classical music, but it is our responsibility to market it, to produce it, and to put it in front of people in ways that they will come to us and say, This is what I want to do with my time.
2: The Spivey's, Dr. Walter Spivey and Mrs. Emily Spivey, wanted this hall to be on the campus of. What is now Clayton State University, because this was the Spivey's community. I'm sure you would like to attract more people from other parts of the city who may. Be shy about driving the distance. It's really not that far in terms of minutes. It's just south of the airport. But have you thought about maybe buses from a designated place in town?
1: That thought actually has occurred to me. It's something that we can't do right now because of COVID and people's level of comfort, of course. But it's very much an idea on my mind for when we are once again comfortable in close proximity to one another. I do know that we schedule our concerts fairly intentionally down here on mostly on Saturday and Sunday afternoons so that people can avoid traffic and so that they can drive in the daytime and on roads that may be less familiar to them on this part of town. I'm also very eager to find ways to make this an experience that people can have of coming down for the day, enjoying a meal, going for a walk on this beautiful campus, getting away from the city a little bit so that it is more than just a drive down a concert and a drive home. I think that appeals to people very much as well. And I'm eager to work with the uh, campus here to create other kinds of experiences for people to have while they're down here. But I love the bus idea. We will definitely be looking into that.
2: My husband suggested it. We were just speaking yesterday. And, you know, a bus from Ansley Mall or Mm -hmm. somewhere in Midtown. I mean, maybe even the Arts Center, you know, to keep it on brand.
1: <laughs> well, in fact, I have had some conversations with uh, Jennifer Barlaman at the Atlanta Symphony about partnership and about how important it is for all of us across the city to partner with each other because our patrons are often going to multiple venues and experiencing art of different sorts in different places. We definitely can find ways to make those integrated and enriched experiences. And if that includes transportation, that's an absolutely fabulous way to, uh, to top it off.
2: Katie, what is your absolute dream for Spivey at this point?
1: I dream of a place where the greatest music available today feels accessible, warm, and inviting to the people who we share it with. I dream of that set of people who come here representing all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. I see the music that we do as one of the great unifiers in a time of discord around us, in a time of discomfort and, uh, and animosity among people. The music that we play reminds us that we have. A kindred and shared spirit. From the most diverse backgrounds, we still share this love of music. Anything that we can do to exemplify that at Spivey Hall is a very, very big part of my dream for what we accomplish. That means people of all ages and generations, people from hereby on our campus, people from across the city and the region, and not always sharing the same kinds of music. So I do love having a great variety of music here, but all of us knowing that this is our space. It means having a great artist stand on the stage and say, I will come back to you anytime you call because this is a great place to perform and a great audience. And it means having a singer from the children's choir saying that my soul is in Spivey Hall. This place means so many different things to different people. And expanding that as much as we can through the programming that we do, through the education and community programs that we have, it is a reminder that that we are all in this together. We all share the same human spirit. And nothing more than music raises that spirit for all of us.
2: Katie Lehman, the new Artistic and Executive Director of Spivey Hall. More information about Spivey's upcoming season is available on our website, wabe.org city citylights. In a moment, we'll highlight another style of music and hear some good old-fashioned rock and roll with the teenage band the Alive. Amplifying Atlanta, this is W-A-B-E. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. Whenever Bastion Evans and brothers Kai and Manoa Newkermans aren't catching waves with their surf team, the three teenagers are rocking out on stages internationally. Their band, The Alive, has performed at Lollapalooza Chile, Ohana Fest, and most recently this past fall at Atlanta's Shaky Knees Festival. I caught up with the band when they were in town, and Bastion began explaining how the group came together.
3: I met Kai about eight years ago now, eight or nine years ago, when we were in Montecito, where I used to live, and His buddy from school was over at my house and he happened to play bass right around the time that I started picking up the guitar. And so he knew Kai and then we got together about a week later and just started jamming. And we actually made our first band. That went on for about four or five years. And then that's when that band split up and we wanted to keep playing, me and Kai. So we looked for a singer and bass player I'd never sung before. And then we saw Manoa as the bass player because they're brothers so we didn't have to look very far. <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of stepped up as a as a singer, and that's how it kind of formed.
2: So you said maybe eight or nine years ago you first. Yeah, I was when we were about like seven or
3: I was like seven years old. Kai I think was eight.
2: What kind of instruments were you playing?
3: I was playing a really crappy electric guitar, <laughs> but but it was fun. And then Kai was playing like a a drum set I'd gotten for Christmas when I was like five years old, like a really small one. It was super fun. Like we were just having fun and holding concerts for like all the parents, like having fun inside. And that's how it
2: started. And now you're playing on international stages in front of (laughs) very large crowds, I might add. Where did the name of your band, The Alive, come from?
4: This is Manoa. I don't know. We all kind of FaceTimed each other one night and we were kind of like discussing what band names, I think it was Bastion who came up with The Alive or one of Bastion's parents.
2: Does it have any connection to Frankenstein? We did a, a, a
3: laminate with the Frankenstein actually because a couple of people had said that for the shows. But um, I think mainly it was just that after the first band split up, me and Kai just wanted to keep playing music. And we felt ourselves as if we were like we wanted to like stay alive or like just keep keep playing music just for the rest of our lives it's kind of like what we've thought since we were like seven or eight years old so when that split up we definitely wanted to keep playing and then that's kind of how we thought of the band and like the way the band formed it kind of felt right to like name it something like that
2: oh yes manoa you are 13 you play bass and sing bastiana is 16 you play guitar and sing as well Kai, you're the old man, 17, the drummer. When did each of you become interested in playing your instruments? I mean, you'd already formed a band when you were very young, two of you. Did you start playing, like, as toddlers?
5: This is Kai. I started at eight years old, right before I met Dash, and I had, I think, two drum lessons. And so that helped with getting together, I guess.
2: Manoa, I heard you began playing ukulele. Why did you stop?
4: I kind of felt that bass was kind of like a cooler instrument. and It was kind of like a bigger (laughs) instrument. And I guess like the, the string sounded deeper. And I thought that sounded pretty cool.
2: Do you ever go back and pick up the ukulele?
4: Like two months ago when I... Really, really started getting into music like a lot, and it's like kind of my whole life now. I kind of found the ukulele in a closet downstairs in my house, and I just kind of picked it up again and started playing. But like, I'm not, I was never really good at it, so
2: some of your rock influences include Queens of the Stone Age, Black Sabbath, and Rush, to name a few. Who introduced you to these bands?
3: I think for all of us, it was definitely parents, at least for me, but yeah, just we'd we'd grow up like going surfing and skating, like in the car and our parents would start playing music. And like, after a while, obviously like we didn't, I didn't pay attention the first four or five years I was alive, but after a while I started like really listening to what was playing and like, kind of got like a connection to, especially some of the bands that you listed, like Queens of the Stone Age, my dad would play all the time in the morning especially on the way to school, too. That'll wake you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just for me, my, my mom and my dad just, like, have a really good taste in music, in my opinion. Really stoked about that.
2: <laughs> what do you think it was about those bands that inspired you to pursue this style of music? I mean, you're very original in this way.
3: Probably just
2: that they
3: were, like, real instruments. I think the new, like, rap and, and hip-hop kind of thing... I like some of the music for sure. And I, I listen to it because like most of my friends listen to that for sure. So I'll listen to it all the time, but I've never really understood how to recreate that and like creatively recreate that. When we started playing instruments, like obviously you're going to play guitar and you're not going to try to play hip hop on guitar. You're going to try to play, make a rock band, just in my opinion. The way that like the music influences me, it's, it's not like I'm trying to recreate any of the music that I listen to. It's definitely, like, an influence, but I really want to be, like, make some new stuff and, like, stuff that people haven't heard as much before.
2: Sure. Well, you are making it your own. Earlier this year, The Alive released the music video Mud, and the video shows different shots of the ocean. I've read that you are all passionate about ocean conservation. Would you tell us more about your environmental concerns
4: it's obviously like a big problem and we need to get our stuff together before like it's too late Mm. and i want to live on a planet that's like i guess free of plastic sort of and not like have any issues about our future so i'm hoping that we can like solve that issue
3: and growing up and like so close to the beach like you can definitely see Like I've seen rocks corroding away just just that like used to be there for like hundreds of years and plastic all over the place. And there's sewage, there's been like three new sewage pipelines that like have just popped up like without asking anybody in my hometown. So it's just, it's just really like detrimental to the, not only like humans, but to like the whole like ocean life. And I love surfing and it's just so, so sad to like have to, have to make sure the water quality is like good enough to surf in it's
2: just yeah i mean talk about being immersed in it you are literally when you're surfing yeah for
3: like hours at a time too
2: is this music video is mud a tribute to ocean conservation or sort of a plea for more attention to it
3: we kind of created it like hoping that it meant something different to everybody But in our eyes, it was just kind of like a call out to like corporations that don't really take our opinion into
5: consideration.
2: of you to do because you can inspire a whole lot of activists in that way how do you feel about performing in front of large crowds it's a little
4: bit scary when I like first started performing music on big stages I was kind of always scared because I was just so used to like being in like small venues and like playing in like a record store or something but now it's kind of like exciting because it's kind of seeing people's faces being happy and everybody just having a good time listening to our music so yeah i think it's pretty cool
3: me and kai actually one of our first shows as a band i think it was like our fourth or fifth show was all palooza chili so back then i do remember being extremely not like super nervous but more more like extremely excited like ready to try to play music and like have people listen to it and we were like eight and nine years old at the time (laughs) But you opened for the Foo Fighters, I read. Yeah, we opened for the Foo Fighters just a few years ago. But I think that time that time was Kitsapalooza in Chile, and Perry Farrell actually jumped on stage for the last song. He, I didn't even know who he was because we were so young.
2: Oh, how do, <laughs> well, now thinking back on that, how do you feel? Well, so thinking back on then,
3: I do remember being extremely excited. I do remember being like a tad nervous, but now... It's more of like like you just want to keep growing and instead of like trying to play bigger and bigger shows, which like I I see a lot of bands trying to do kind of want to show the shows more and more stuff that we got new stuff that we're like starting to make and like our own voice and and like that. And for Manoa, he pretty much his first show was also uh, La Clues of Chile as well, because we had played it, I think, twice. And then the band dissolved, and then we started the new band, and then he was, we kind of jumped right into it.
2: Oh, this is so fantastic. Since you are all still young performers, fairly new in the music industry, what advice would you give other young musicians trying to build a career?
5: This is Kai. I would say keep practicing, keep playing your instrument, and see where it goes if you have like other people playing around your area maybe try and get in touch with them and form your own band
3: yeah it's great to to be in contact with other bands like locally it's super fun and to start playing shows with them it's just like all fun and there's like no pressure like at that point and that's like when you start knowing if you like really want to do that with your life and just write songs too because Writing is so important these days, like get your music out and like to hear different stuff. Like the population loves hearing different stuff. Yeah, Yeah, just to have fun in my opinion. Hmm.
2: You have such active lives. How do you balance school, surf team, rehearsals, and touring, performing at concerts? How do you do it all?
4: This is Manoa. I kind of just like after school, I skate for a bit but not for like too long and then I go back home and I try to go surfing and then I'll tell Kai after surfing that um, we should like practice or we should just like make a new song right now and we'll have some like rough demos or like ideas of what we want. Yeah but for missing school it's like a pain honestly it's it's like it's just you
3: miss so much like material that you like thought you didn't miss like you'll come back and you'll see the stack of papers that you got to do and you're like oh no.
2: But you do them.
3: yeah. We'll we'll do it. I want to go to to college for music, like music production, to just get like a deeper understanding into like theory and stuff. Just like because I love music, but I don't know about Kai. Kai was trying to say
5: something. Oh, I was going to say that I feel like I always have to be doing something, and that's why it seems like our lives are busy.
2: So you all have these very active professional lives. Has performing internationally and the recognition you've received, has that affected your interaction with kids at school, with classmates, or even any of your friends?
4: Not really. I mean, I kind of have musician friends, and it's kind of just cool because they saw me live, so they kind of talked about that. A little bit but nobody really cares anymore yeah it doesn't it doesn't
3: really change much in my school for sure because they I hate to boast about it but we actually had a show here in Laguna in my town like two weekends ago and that was super fun and my a bunch of kids from my school went and that was like the first time that like I connected with them musically but other than that it kind of like just went right back to normal and, and
5: yeah well a lot of people came up to me at school like the days after we played shows like Bottle Rock, but then it's slowly drifting back to normal.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, I gotta say, you three really are an inspiration for people even beyond music. This has been fantastic. Sebastian Evans and brothers Kai and Manoa Newcomitz from our conversation last year. More information about the band, including their upcoming tour dates, can be found at the alive.net. Coming up, advice on how to make your Valentine's Day vegan. With Atlanta entrepreneur and philanthropist Pinky Cole. Amplifying Atlanta, this is 90.1 WABE. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. Valentine's Day is around the corner with romantic dinners for two on the menu. But what if one of you is vegan and the other is afraid to commit to a plant-based diet? Well, Pinky Cole, the entrepreneur and philanthropist behind Atlanta's slutty vegan, are vegan, and the Pinky Cole Foundation has got you covered. Cole recently caught up with City Light senior producer Kim Drobes to share some easy vegan Valentine's recipes and her personal story of becoming a vegan.
0: So I grew up in a vegetarian household. So Eating healthy and consuming the right products in my body was really something that I learned early on. And in 2007, I decided to ditch meat and I was just eating fish. And then within the last eight years, I decided to go vegan. So I had a Jamaican restaurant at the time, but I wasn't selling any vegan food. And obviously that didn't work, thank God. (laughs) But then I started Slutty Vegan and Slutty Vegan was really a way to continue on doing what I was doing in my personal life. And that was serving people that I love, eating the food that I love to eat. And not only did I realize I was solving a personal problem, I was actually solving a universal problem. And that's why Slutty Vegan is so successful as it is today, because we get to help people to reimagine food every single day in a way that you've never imagined before.
6: Yeah, no doubt, because a lot of people have preconceptions about vegan food that is certainly not the type of food that you're serving. You've been able to make it fun and even a little bit like junk food at times. From your previous time as a vegetarian, and also um, when you were eating a little bit of meat, is there anything that you loved about your diet before that you've been able to make vegan now?
0: Well, I love fish. I grew up with fish. Uh, My grandfather was a fisherman. My mother is a Rastafarian, so all she ate was fish. So that was the one thing I probably missed a little bit when I decided to go vegan. But now there's so many meat replacements, fish replacements that I can have where I don't have to compromise and I can indulge in all of my favorite fish recipes that my grandfather used to make, that my mother used to make without feeling like I had to eat an animal to do it. And even if not fish, right? There's so many other chicken replacements. You literally can go into the store and get every single thing that a meat eater can eat, but you can make it vegan, which is so progressive to me because once upon a time, it was not always that way. Um, So it just feels good that we're moving in a space where like, Veganism has so many options, and you can live this lifestyle without constraints.
6: So may I ask you, I know you went to school here in Atlanta, and that you're originally from Baltimore, you spent time on the West Coast as well. Why did you decide to make Atlanta home?
0: Okay, so funny story. I saw Ludacris on TV in 2004. And he was at Clark Atlanta University and surprising students at the new student orientation. Hmm. Now that was my first experience of ever seeing anybody in a college, right? Like I didn't know the first thing about college. So I saw a rapper at a college and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going there. So <laughs> that was my first decision in wanting um, to get higher education. And obviously that reason was good enough to get me to drive 12 hours to go to Atlanta. But I'm so glad I did because what it did for me is it made me a woman. I've gotten to be able to meet so many people in Atlanta from all walks of life that are still my friends today. And it really set up the foundation for me to be able to return back to Atlanta to start Slutty Vegan. So I lived uh, on the West Coast for two years, twice. And the second time I was there, I was a casting director. So I moved from LA back to Atlanta just to work temporarily and when I started studying vegan I realized that Atlanta is the place where I need to be one because the support is unmatched. Atlanta supports you like no other city I've ever seen in my life and this was the place where I could plant my roots grow my business, and build an empire, which I'm doing today. And I love Atlanta. I owe everything to Atlanta for making my business as successful as it is.
6: That's so awesome. And you are indeed building an empire. You're coming up on your one-year anniversary for Bar Vegan, right? I am coming up on my one-year anniversary for Bar Vegan. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. And thank you for even asking that. You know, Bar Vegan is like the little sister that doesn't get as much attention as the big sister, but also very, very popular. Um, So it feels good to know that I was able to create yet another concept that's as successful, booming, people love, respected in Atlanta. And we're coming up on February 28th, actually, um, on the one-year anniversary. And it's been a beautiful, wild ride for my second baby. I I, I like to call my restaurant babies. (laughs) Um, And my second concept just really just shows me that as long as you're consistent, and you follow a consistent formula, and you have a pure heart and pure intentions, you can literally create a million businesses that will be successful.
6: Well, let's talk about your pure heart and pure intentions for a minute. Can we speak a little bit about the Pinky Cole Foundation? You are actively changing people's lives.
0: Absolutely. Um, So I, I started the foundation in 2019. And I did it because I was always giving back since I was a kid. I saw my mom do it. I saw my family do it. We come from Jamaica. So like, it is just in your spirit to make sure that the people around you are good. And we foster community a lot. So as i got older, I realized that I turned into my mother. <laughs> so <laughs> through the foundation, we've done so much. Um, I've paid the rents for local businesses. I've partnered with uh, the biggest organizations to provide lights and gas to families. I've partnered with the Department of Juvenile Justice to provide ex-offenders a second opportunity to working. About 75% of my employees come from the halfway house, which is a big deal because we are also giving them opportunity uh, to get a second chance. I partnered with Impossible Foods in Jamaica uh, to get people excited about the election process that we just recently had. I've helped to pay the balances of 30 Clark Atlanta University students so that they can graduate from uh, college. Uh, Just recently, myself and Derek Hayes, who's another local restaurateur, we partnered together with Prudential to provide life insurance for every single black man in Atlanta who makes thirty thousand dollars or less.
6: Oh my gosh, just I didn't know list. about that one. That's amazing.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, we actually just we launched it a few months ago, but we just got the Prudential partnership, which is actually a really big deal. And to be able to partner with a massive uh, organization like that for a good cause just lets us know that we're doing the right thing in the right place at the right time
6: that is so cool. Well, thank you for going sideways with me for a second. But I know you have specific Valentine's recipes that you were going to share before we get to them. Can I ask you for advice in general for making vegan recipes? Do you have any specific go to seasonings? Well, my slut dust
0: which is my own proprietary seasoning So
6: it's slut dust
0: and we put a whole lot of love in it i can't tell you exactly what's in it but um we use it in our restaurant and, and why i like slut dust is because it's a mix of sweet spicy salty tangy a little bit of chili powder it, it's just so good you can literally can put it on everything So when you think about eating uh, vegan and and giving advice to eating vegan, it's really, really easy. All you got to do is know how to read recipes, number one. Use some Slut Dust or some other really good seasonings and just get really creative. It's all about your mindset. It doesn't have to be hard at all.
6: So, you know, you brought up Slut Dust. We haven't really touched on the name Slutty Vegan. What inspired you to name your franchise Slutty Vegan and then just continually put sexual innuendo into the names? I knew that if I named this company Pinky Vegan,
0: <laughs> nobody would stand in line to come eat. But what I do recognize is that sex sells. And if I can merge the two most pleasurable experiences in life, and that's sex and food together, and make people pay attention in the raunchiest way, we get to teach them at the same time, then I know I've done something right. That's what TV does, right? If, if, if people utilize TV in the right way, right, TV is served to evoke an emotion. It shows you something. It teaches you something. Sometimes it hits you in the face. That's why I talk TV works well. That's why the Maury Show has been on the air so well. And I used to work for the Maury Show. So I got a lot of these ideas from working there. And I just knew that if I named something that historically was known to be bland and boring and expensive and pricey and only wealthy white people eat it, then if I named it something racy, I can make it universal for all people. And I did that
6: and it worked. Indeed it did. So let's stick with the racy theme and talk about Valentine's Day. Do you have any specific suggestions for people who want to cook vegan at home this year? Absolutely. Valentine's
0: Day shouldn't be hard. Like you shouldn't have to think about what you want to eat on Valentine's Day. Instead, you should be able to come together with your loved one. Right. And and take less time trying to make food and more time being intimate with your partner and getting to know that person and showing how much you love that person. So I came up with two very delicious recipes. The first one is the sausage, sweetie, and it is a sandwich sandwich. A a breakfast sandwich that you can have in bed with the egg replacer. Um, It has the incognito sausage um, on a Hawaiian bun and it's so delicious. And then I have something called the irresistible chick. And that's with the incognito chicken tenders, pickles, kimchi and uh, a mayo, which is so really, really, really delicious that like people wouldn't even be able to tell that it's not meat.
6: You know, you mentioned the mayo I feel like sauces are a little more difficult when you're trying to make them vegan. I'm assuming that that mayo is made with a veganase? So I'd like to uh, break down the notion that sauces are hard when you're vegan,
0: right? 90% 90% of the sauces when we go out to restaurants, most of them are vegan, all you just have to do is ask. Yes, there's some of them that put egg in it. Yes, there's some of them that have butter in it. But for the most part, most of them are vegan friendly, which is very good uh, for your vegan palate, especially if you're trying out a new lifestyle. So specifically for the irresistible check, we use mayo, this recipe called for follow your heart mayo now all of the mayos are great uh, whatever your preference is but i specifically like follow your heart and i used uh seven tablespoons of follow your heart a little bit of teriyaki sauce a tablespoon of uh, lemon juice and some ground ginger and salt and pepper to taste and this whether you put it on this sandwich or any other sandwich or eat it with some fried rice, it's so delicious. And I'm a sauce girl. Like I eat sauce with everything. (laughs) So I'm telling you from experience that like sauces really don't have to be hard. All you got to do is get creative.
6: That's really good advice. Sauces do intimidate me a little more than other things. If you need any help or tips, feel free to reach out to me and I got you. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. You know, you mentioned the Incognito products. Have you tried the new Impossible sausage that's out now?
0: I have tried every single protein (laughs) on the market. (laughs) Whether I liked it or not, I've tried every single one of them. And yes, I did try it. Um And it's very delicious. I like it. You know, I like all the proteins. I got to be honest. Um, All of them are really good, very delicious. And I like the movement, how progressive it is and how so many companies are making these meat replacements taste better than the real thing. You know, I joke with people about like even incognito, like, you know, I used to eat chicken back in the day and the chicken strips, I made some chicken noodle soup yesterday. And my cousin was like, you sure this is not real chicken? Like the chicken tastes like meat, feels like meat, tears like meat and it just goes to show you that we are getting so inventive with all of the the new plant based meats, and I'm just happy to be here, just to try all of them. Indeed. <laughs> Whether they're good or not. Indeed, it is a <laughs>
6: glorious time to be alive. Yes. Well, Pinky <laughs> Cole, thank you so much for sharing all of that great information with us, and just letting us know what you're up to. And please do keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. And if you want to know more about
0: these two recipes, if you want to get the recipes. Go to MorningstarFarms.com and you can get them or just Google us and see all the amazing things that we are doing in the community and around. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in the future and you come into the restaurant and get sledified.
2: Atlanta entrepreneur and philanthropist Pinky Cole. Speaking with City Light senior producer Kim Drobes. More information about Pinky Cole's various endeavors is available on our website wabe.org slash city lights. Finally, today, affordable housing for artists in Atlanta has always been the driving force behind the Creatives Project. Now, a new space has opened for its signature artist in studio residency program, the Academy Lofts of Adair Park. The space was created for Atlanta artists to live affordably while also showcasing their talents. Amenities included in the project's residency program are studio and gallery space, classrooms, and auditorium promotional support, exhibition opportunities, and professional development. The Academy Lofts features 35 residential units, 10 of which are reserved for the Artist in Residency Program. One of the ways in which the project is showcasing the talents of their residents is through their 11th annual Hashtag Art of Community Exhibition, which this year is titled... Ascension. The show opens tomorrow and will be on view through March 13th. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Monday at 11 a.m. we'll celebrate Valentine's Day with comedian Lane Moore. Her acclaimed Tinder Live show is coming to Atlanta next weekend at Venkman's. City Lights senior producer is Kim Drobes. Summer Evans is our producer. And our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lois. R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks for listening to W-A-B-E Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from W-H-Y-Y and N-P-R.